Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. I believe that Jesus likes to party. Jesus is a party guy. Maybe that's not what you were taught in church, but when we look throughout the scriptures, Jesus, he gets to a wedding. He's never performed a miracle before. And he's like, all right, there's no booze at this wedding. I got to do something. This is at the end of the reception. So he says, I'm going to make 180 gallons of wine to end this party with. Jesus likes to party. Jesus, when he's anointed before he dies, he's anointed for burial. He's anointed at a dinner party. So many times the religious leaders would say, Jesus, you're a drunkard. You're a glutton. You hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes. And they would judge him for always being with and eating with and gathering and partying with people. In fact, right before Jesus dies on the cross, He says, I want you to remember me, but remember me by drinking wine and eating bread. This is our God. Jesus likes to party. And if you like to party, you're a lot like Jesus. Anybody feeling relieved right now? You're like, I am like Jesus. Whoa, I am holier than the person I'm sitting next to. I mean, even in Luke 7, we're told that Jesus throws a party. All of heaven rejoices when just one sinner turns to God. And then to describe the kingdom of God, he shares a parable in Luke chapter 14. He compares the kingdom of God to a party, a great banquet. Let's read it. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married so I can't come because wives hate banquets. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. God loves throwing a great party. He compares the whole kingdom of God to a banquet and he wants his party to be filled with people. It's with this mindset of ministry, it's with this scripture that when I was a a young adults pastor in Michigan for five years, one of the main strategies we had was throwing what we called 18 plus God parties to reach the youth of Highland Township, Michigan, rural Michigan. And uh, I remember we got to throw this party and this is how we'll reach people who don't know Jesus, people looking for hope and salvation. And so we had this idea, Rachel, I don't know if you remember this, to throw a denim night. 
a double denim night where everybody wore so much denim where we all were unified in the spirit of Chuck Norris. And we thought, we will tell everybody, all right, there's a whole world to reach with the gospel, so let's all invite one person to this denim party. And if we all invite one person, then our ministry will double in one night. Ministry's so easy. If we keep this up, it's exponential growth. We'll reach the whole world in no time at all. And this wasn't just a party. We prepared a great feast. We had eight horses and one pony. They didn't really have any purpose, but they were there. Actually, I got some pictures for you from this den night. Look, that's a party with a horse. Have you ever partied with a horse in the background? I have. It was glorious. Even some other pictures. You can see this is uh, Pastor Amritha and me. We just... We're in the spirit of denim. Another picture from the service. There's just a horse on the stage. Did it have any purpose? No, but it was there, and it was making a mess. Ain't no party like a horse poop party, because a horse poop party don't stop. It doesn't. And so we had this idea, there's going to be so many new people at this great feast because we're inviting people, the preparations are made. And so we asked Amritha, hey, every time a new person comes in, we want to celebrate them in the most awkward way possible. Imagine coming to an 18 plus God party for the first time and greeting at the front door is Amritha with a cowbell. And every time there's a new person, sometimes you walk into a party and you want to be anonymous, especially when it comes to a church, not at a horse party, not at a denim horse party. Amritha ring a cowbell every time there's a new person. Ding, 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 ding. There's a new person here. Well, we told the whole church, everybody bring one person. And I'm sad to say Amritha only rang that cowbell one time. So sad. Because instead of everybody individually bringing one person, we all collectively only brought one person. And the attendance of our God party grew from 79 to 80. And I, I just remember thinking, man, we, we had square dancing, we had horses, we had pumpkin spice lattes, and now that it's September, you are free to drink those. Can I get a good amen? We had all the preparations made, but the people weren't there. And I remember relating to this story. The master is furious that he prepared a great banquet, but there weren't people there to partake. So he sends out his servants, go, go quickly, compel them, urge them to come into the house because I desire that the house is full. I understand the pain of wishing a party filled the house. You know, there's something called the great commission in the scripture, and it's, a call for us to be evangelists, to share our faith, to bring people into the house of God, to lead people to Jesus. In Matthew 28, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So God, like the, the master, he can send out servants with authority. Therefore, what does he do with that authority? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So like the master in the parable of the great banquet, he commands the servants to go and bring people into the house 
bring people to the party in the same way our master in heaven has called us to go out to all nations and to make disciples, to share our faith, to lead people to Jesus, to bring them into the house of the Lord. And this is called the Great Commission. Maybe you've heard the term evangelism. And this is what it means, simply sharing your faith with others. But some of us are afraid when it comes to this term. We're, we're honestly here in church, and we're a little ashamed that we've never led someone to Christ. We've never prayed with that stranger. Or we've never brought someone to Jesus. And we're like, I don't even have friends in my own life. How am I going to invite people to church? How am I going to invite people to faith? Or, or when we imagine this idea of evangelism, we imagine someone in downtown with a sign that says, turn or burn. We imagine people screaming in a makeshift sound system, you're going to hell! Has anybody seen preachers like that? And we're like, if that's evangelism, I don't want anything to do with it. For some of us, we're like, I can't share my faith. I'm not even sure where I stand with God. I hardly even know what I believe. My theology isn't very sound. How could I be part of evangelism? I'm just insecure in my faith. But today, I want to propose to you that effective evangelism can be as simple as simply inviting someone to a party. Evangelism doesn't have to be the scary thing that, that's just for elite Christian or pastors. Evangelism is something that we are all called to do and that we all can do in a joyful way. Just like we see in the parable of the banquet. And just to reiterate a couple of points from this, Number one, we might be okay with half-full gatherings, but Jesus wants his house to be full. You know, when the people make excuses for not coming to the party, it says that the master was furious that the house is empty. So he sends them out and he says, urge them to come. There's an urgency in the master's heart for the house to be full. And that's because God loves the whole world. God desires that none should perish. God hates it that there are those of us who are lonely, who have a longing for belonging, and we can't find it no matter how hard we try, God hates it that there are people who feel like there's nobody in this world who loves me. I have no friends or family. I have nobody who really knows me and loves me. He hates that. And so throughout the scriptures, God says, I desire that none should perish. I want to gather my people. I want all people to experience love. You know, over the years of church planning these last five years, one of the compliments people have given us is, I love Kalo's church because it's so small. And I understand there's a beauty in depth. There's a beauty in, in knowing people in the room. And I think many of us have been hurt by mega churches who maybe just treated us like cogs in a machine, or we've seen churches grow really fast and then shrink really fast, and it's put in us a skepticism of anything that grows. And I understand that. I can relate to that. But when someone says, I love that Kalos Church is a small church, and I, I, want to, I want it to stay that way, I can't help but imagine the master of the banquet who's furious that his house is not full. Because it's not about stroking my ego as a pastor to have a huge church or a big attendance. It's about reaching people who feel like they're on the outside looking in. It's about reaching people who are so afraid to show their true heart. Because in every spectrum of society, if you say one wrong phrase, you're going to get canceled in the workplace. 
your friends. But I love that in this parable, he says, don't just ask the well-to-do people to come into the house. He says, go into the highways, the byways, go to the poor, go to the blind, go to the lame, bring them into my house. Because what we do as a society is we just like to surround ourselves with people who look like us, talk like us, act like us, think like us, believe like us. But Jesus says, I want all people to belong into my house. And I hate it when my house is empty when there's so many lost people out there. You know, if I, if I lost one of my children, I have two, I would not be content until I found both of them, right? If I, uh, if I, if I lost some money and I knew I lost $100, I wouldn't be content if I only found $99, In the same way, Jesus says, if a shepherd has a hundred sheep and he loses one, he leaves the 99 to go after the one. I mean, if you lose your cell phone, anybody here lose their cell phone a lot? If you lose your cell phone, you're not, oh, I'm just thankful I still have a laptop at home. No, you search your house, some of us, one time a day, two times a day, three times. How many times a day are you losing your phone? Come on. Who here loses their phone a lot? Who here is sitting next to someone who loses their phone way too much? This is a safe place. I remember last week, Amritha and I went on a date night, and we get breakfast every Friday morning, and I had leftovers. I brought the leftovers home, and by that afternoon, I could not find them. And I go, Amritha, you obviously threw away my food like you always do. Why do you keep the house so clean? Because she throws away leftovers in the blink of an eye. And so I'm just assuming the worst. Amritha, you lost this. You threw it away. I wanted to eat that. Well, a week later, I went into the garage where I keep all my pickleball equipment. And I found a week-old breakfast. (laughs) I'm sorry, honey. I was not content, though, that I couldn't find my breakfast. And so I searched and searched and searched. And I was still thinking about it a week later. This is the house of the Lord, and God wants it to be filled with life transformation. God wants to see souls saved, people free. That is his heart. You know, I I met a pastor a number of years ago. Her name is Liz Doyle, and she was living in a community of people who had never heard the gospel. In fact, they had just immigrated as refugees from a Middle Eastern country. Many of them were Muslim in their faith. And she said, I I don't know if these people are receiving neighborly love, so I'm just going to start throwing tea parties around Christmas party. And so she began to invite these Muslim women to a tea party at her home. And people said yes. And then they said, hey, can we bring our friends? And then more and more people came. The party got so big that they had to rent a bus to start bringing people, like a party bus, to bring people to her house. And it began to be a full-fledged ministry And a year later or so after these first parties started, this person wrote a letter to her and said, we've lived in America for over 10 years and no American has ever invited us into their home. Thank you so much. I believe that if you do evangelism right, people will thank you for it. I believe that it doesn't have to be the scary reality. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I offend them? What if I'm inadequate? I believe that if you truly do evangelism right, people will thank you. These 
women had lived in America for 10 years and not one American citizen had ever invited them into their home. And this was in rural Michigan. Imagine how much more that is in King County. We have people here from all over the world, and I'm a child of immigrant refugees. I know what it's like to feel other. I know what it's like to feel different. I know what it's like to be on the outside looking in, and I'm thankful for people who invited me into their houses. And this is the heart of our Father. He desires the house will be filled with people who are on the outside looking in. We all have a longing for belonging. And I believe that there's a whole world waiting to be invited to a party. And God loves every one of those people. Amen. But in the parable of the banquet, the guests get invited, but they don't show up. It says that they make excuses about some land, about some oxen. I just got married. In the parable of the banquet, it's the guests that make excuses. Today in the church, it's us making excuses. He sends out the servants Go invite people into the house. Well, the same invitation has been given to us in the Great Commission, but what do we do? We make excuses. Point number two, I believe that we are called to make disciples, not excuses. Statistically, and I'm not trying to bring condemnation or guilt, I'm just trying to preach the heart of the Father, but statistically, most of us have never led someone to Christ. Yet, if we're disciples, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Statistically, many of us have not invited someone to church in the last year. But we are called to make disciples, not excuses. Can you imagine if the master in the banquet said, hey, I've prepared this feast. I have a great banquet. Would you go send out the invitations? And they're like, no. The parable would have gone very different. I think that that is the reality of the American church. I remember when I was first a Christian, I learned about something called street witnessing. It's where you go out into the street, you run into people, and you tell them about Jesus. And so I decided to go try and do this with one of my good friends. We went to a grocery store in the parking lot, and we thought the best place to share the gospel would be busy moms with their children trying to get groceries into their car. People definitely want to talk to two young teenagers. And so as all these people are packing up their cars, we would say, hey, can we tell you about Jesus? And most people will be like, okay, whatever. We ran into this one lady and we say, hey, we want to tell you about Jesus. She must have misheard us because her response was unexpected. She said, you boys want me to tell you about the gospel? She thought we were asking her to tell us about the gospel. I'm like, don't you see our halo? <laughs> So she thought two young teenage boys approached her at a grocery store parking lot and said, ma'am, would you please tell us about the gospel? What must I do to be saved? So that's what she heard. That's what she understand. This is her response. She says, sorry, boys. I don't have time to tell you about Jesus today. Can you imagine that? Teenage boys, I don't have time to tell you about Jesus today. We judge this woman, but we do the same thing every single day. We're called to make disciples, not excuses. What is your excuse today? You know, in Matthew 9, Jesus sees crowds and he mourns that they're not being gathered. When he saw the crowds in verse 36, he had compassion on them 
He loves so many people, all people of the world. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The servants in the parable of the banquet, they did their job. Are we doing ours? You know, I, I, the other week, I, uh, we had an emergency at Kalos Church. Our Instagram got deleted. And our Instagram is like the main way we reach people in this area. It's uh, how many people came to Kalos because of social media? You first visited because of social media. Raise your hands high. And so with our Instagram down on a Saturday before Sunday morning, I got a lot of texts. Pradeep, and what are we going to do? Our Instagram is down. This is how people find out about the church. This is how people get all their information. This is how people get details. What are we going to do? Instagram is down. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. This thing is deleted. It's just our account. It's deleted. And Zach, who runs all of our media here at Kalos Church, he's literally solo camping for a month. So he's like in a camp somewhere, literally. And, and I'm like, how are we going to handle this? How are we going to handle this? And so uh, I'm like contacting everybody I know. And uh, Instagram, I guess they couldn't verify that the leaders of Kalos Church were not over 13 years of age. <laughs> Try not to feel insecure about my preaching reading level because they had no confidence we were older than 13 years old. And so they said, well, we have to delete your account because we have not been able to verify your age. So I'm trying to up the sophistication of my preaching. <laughs> so anyways, horse parties. I mean, sorry. <laughs> so they shut it down because we weren't old enough. But I got all these texts. How are we going to reach people? Instagram is down. How are we going to share the gospel? Social media is down. I think many of us have abdicated our responsibility to share the gospel because Zuckerberg is doing a better job than us. Most of the people here at Kalos Church are here because of social media, and that grieves my heart because it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to invite our friends, to share the gospel, to urge people, to compel all to come and hear and taste and see that Jesus is good. And so I, I, I believe that too often our prayer for revival, I wrote it like this, too often our prayer for revival is a prayer of rebellion, saying, Lord, fulfill the great commission yourself. I am unwilling to labor in the harvest. Let us not turn the great commission into God's solo mission. Evangelism is a partnership where the spirit and bride say, come, to quote Revelation 22. This is our great calling. This is something we ought to do. And I, I think if our prayer life is primarily praying for the lost, instead of reaching the lost, we're delegating our responsibility to God. And instead of him being our master, we're commanding him as our servant. Let it not be said of Kalos Church. Amen. And so before you feel a great amount of guilt, I want to encourage you, though, that evangelism is a partnership between us and the Holy Spirit. In Revelation 22, it says, when there are thirsty people, the Spirit, the Spirit of God and the bride, the bride of Christ, that's us, the church, the Spirit and the bride say, come and drink of these living waters. All who are thirsty, all who are weary, come find refuge in the house of the Lord. And so I, I believe that evangelism 
can be as simple as inviting someone to a party, but it's also following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Point number three, evangelism is simply continuing the conversation the Holy Spirit already started. Do your best and give God the rest. It's not us winning people with great arguments. It's not us being fantastically talented people. It's just us saying, Lord, what are you already speaking to people? Lord, what are you already doing in the lives of people around me? Because the Holy Spirit's at work in our region. I know that there's a lot of voices telling us otherwise, a lot of influences trying to discourage us from gathering as a church, but God is at work in King County, amen? God is not done with our region, and he desires the house to be full. And we just need a partner with him. Acts 1.8, when we get this term witnessing, when you share your faith like a witness in court on a stand, simply telling people what you experience, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In order to be good witnesses, we need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The scripture says that when the Holy Spirit comes and you receive power and it descends upon you, then you will be able to be witnesses. And this partnership is so beautiful. One of the great joys of my life is partnering with the Holy Spirit to lead people to Jesus. I mean, what an adventure. For those of us who are bored with life, for those of us who feel like life is mundane, I don't have any true adventure, I'm just kind of going through the motions, The greatest adventure is partnering with God in the Great Commission. It's so beautiful. Again, when I first became Christian, I remember hearing this scripture and saying, God, what would you have me do? And I felt like as a young teenager, he said, just pray every morning. So in my bedroom, I would just go and pray, get on my knees before the Lord, turn on a CD. We had CDs back then and just listen and worship and pray and read the scriptures and journal. And this was the first summer where I was a Christian going into my freshman year of high school or my sophomore year of high school. And so I'm just praying and I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want from me? Lord, would you speak to me? I want to run with you. I want to work with you. Lord, I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he began to speak to me and he put this crazy idea on my heart. He said, on the first day of your sophomore year of high school, and nobody knows I'm a Christian yet. This is a new experience for me. My family, they were Hindu refugees. I'm going to church. I'm praying. This is just young me all by myself. And I felt like the Spirit of God said, on the first day of school, I want you to stand on your lunch table and share your testimony and preach the gospel and invite people to church. That is very scary. If life is boring for you, partner with the Holy Spirit. He will put you in scary situations. So I I go, and I've been praying for months at this point. I'm, like, so scared. Our school is about 2,000 people. I'm, like, the only brown kid. I go to the lunch table, hundreds, thousands of people around me. I get on my table sheepishly. Lunch lady comes up to me, and she says, you can't stand on the table. I'm like, oh, oh, boy. (laughs) I'm in trouble. Someone had a stepladder with them. So I grab the stepladder, and I'm higher than the tables now. And I go, excuse me, my name is Pradeepid. 
and I want to share my story with you. I don't have a lot of friends. I definitely don't have a lot of friends now. I was that awkward brown kid in Minnesota. I had a mustache, but my mustache wasn't made out of hair. It was made out of chapped lips. That was how popular I was. So here I am yelling, hey, excuse me, I want to share my story. So I tell the story about how Jesus changed my life. I'm a child of Hindu refugees. Uh, my family wanted to end their lives, but Jesus saved us, brought us into a church, helped us get on our feet. God is good. And if you have any questions, please come up to me. And if you want to go to church with me, join me. Super awkward. But then the hottest girl in our school, Megan Cunningham, she walks up to me and she says, young brown boy, you've got, in other words, guts. She is a different body part. You've got guts. And she said, you know what? I want to go to church with you. And so she joined me for a youth church. Megan ends up giving her life to Jesus. She's a beautiful girl. So a lot of guys started coming to church with me. They're like, how are you hanging out with this girl? I'm like, Jesus, man. Jesus loves to party. Come party with us. <laughs> As, uh, I'm not joking. At one point in our school, 20% of the student body joined me for the Bible studies. It was amazing. But it was partnering with the Holy Spirit. And one of the great sadnesses in my heart is I'm talking to people who have been Christian a long time. And you don't know the adventure of partnering with the Holy Spirit. You don't know the adventure of stepping out in faith. You don't know the adventure of being rejected by people who will have nothing to do with the gospel. But we try again and again for the sake of Jesus. Even Jesus, he loved humanity to the point of dying on the cross. Jesus knew what it was like to be rejected. And yet he partnered with our Heavenly Father. For he, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And my prayer today is that you would know the joy, the thrill, the adventure of partnering with the Holy Spirit. Because we, we do our best, but we leave the rest to God. And it's this partnership. You can't save anybody in your own strength. I'll say it again. You can't argue anybody into salvation. It's not in your own strength. It's not in your own wisdom. Even preaching today, it's not through wise and persuasive words that any of us is going to be moved. But it's by the Spirit of God working in us and through us. My prayer is that you would experience that great pleasure. 1 Corinthians 13 says, I planted the seed of the gospel. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they'll each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. So with this in mind, we are throwing a party next week for Kalos's fifth birthday. And I want to challenge you with this. Would you invite someone to our Kalos Church's fifth birthday next week? Would you ask text or post, will you come to a party with me? Put that on your Facebook status. Put that on your Instagram. Maybe make a list of 10 people and just text them. Will you come to a party with me? Because I believe that effective evangelism is as simple as inviting someone to a party. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your heart to reach people. 
I thank you that you're not content with any one of us being lost, but you love us, you have a plan for us, you have a joy for us, you have salvation for us. Lord, thank you that you didn't rest until we found you. And Lord, I pray that we would be like the servants in the story, that we wouldn't make excuses, but we would make disciples. And so Holy Spirit, we invite you. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you descend upon us, like you said in Acts, so that we could be power to be witnesses? Oh, Holy Spirit, would you come? Even right now, maybe the Lord's putting someone on your mind, in your heart. Maybe he's giving you a plan of action to bring people to our birthday. And it's not just about us growing larger. It's about us reaching people with the gospel. If you're imagining someone or you're feeling like you need to invite someone, would you just ask the Holy Spirit for strength? for strategy, for power to reach people with the gospel. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us reach those you're reaching. Help us to continue the conversation you've already started. We pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.